Praise the Lord. Feels good in here this morning, doesn't it? I love this place. I don't get to come as much as uh, as much as I like. Praise the Lord. Y'all look so good. Hallelujah. I, I love it here. Uh, you know, God is, he's really working. He's really doing some big things. Um, I, a lot of you probably don't know me. My name is Josh Paul. I'm with Anchorage Ministries. We're located, hey, Georgia. We're, we're over on 115 between Old 60 and Speedway Road. And God has been moving mightily. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Um, I'm, I grew up about five miles from here in the mud puddles out in Boomer and uh, a little poor kid. We didn't have much, but you know what? My mom prayed and she had the Lord. And so the Lord has really been doing some mighty things with us. I just want to share with you today how you can get involved in the ministry. We're going um, into the Appalachian Mountains. And uh, what happens is if you've never been up there into Kentucky or West Virginia, um, into the coal mining towns and way back backwards, we're talking way back. Uh, these towns are like third world countries. And uh, so um, the Lord has gave us some amazing connections. We have a connection with Operation Blessing and the Christian Broadcasting Network. They send us pallets and pallets of food and just toys and everything you can think of every week. We probably get about 25, 30 pallets a month from them. And then we're partnered with churches all around. And uh, so we get all this stuff in our warehouse, we process it, and then we put it on big trucks and we take it up and we preach the gospel to the families. Uh, we have face painting, haircuts, bounce house, just big party, day of fun for the, for the families up in the mountains. And the altars are filling up, you guys. People with pain addiction, uh, people with suicidal thoughts, people with, I mean, you name it. This little guy, oh man, this little guy, we were in this little church. I bet there's maybe 60 people there. It was real small. But um, this little guy, he was, I guess he was about eight years old. And he came up to the altar for prayer. And what he said to me, it broke my heart. He said, I need your prayer, Josh. He said, when I was little, when I was born, you know, my, my mom was on drugs when she was pregnant with me. And, uh, and so when I was born, they brought me home to die. No child should ever have to say that or know that. And, but not only that, because of those drugs and stuff, he has seizures now. He's got a big scar on his face. And he just wanted prayer because he's been having panic attacks. And, and so we prayed for him. And, and, but there's, there's story after story of these kids, and they all have a story. And, it, and even right here in Wilkes County, we have a delivery program. And, you know, I went to these kids' house one day, and, and the, the mom said that they had baked their last meal. They had got everything they had, put it in this little spaghetti dish, and ate it all. And that was about two days ago. And she said, now this is here in town. She said that they had been eating out of a dumpster, her and her two kids, out of a dumpster not on my watch in the name of Jesus. And, and so we're doing something to change it. We're, we're finding these families. We're going on search and rescue missions out here locally and in the mountains. And so I want to tell you how you can get involved today. Our warehouse is over on 115. Um, you can come on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 p.m. And that's when we bag up the groceries and everything like that. And I've got a bunch of stuff. I'm going to be out at the table um, afterward. And uh, I'll give you information about how you can get um, involved. And um, I do want to tell you really fast about our sponsorship program because through this, we've really been able to connect with kids one-on-one -on -one and go back and be a part of their life like monthly and make a difference in their life and minister to them and, you know, let, God, let them know that God hasn't forgotten about them. And, and uh, so I can tell you some about that. We still have a few kids that need a sponsor. If you're looking to get involved in something like that, we would love to, we'd love to have you. And um, 
I just, can I brag on the Lord for a minute? Is that okay? I don't want to take too much of your time, but God is good. Uh, there, I, we're in a season, I don't know if you're here, but I know the church is, the, a lot of us are in a season of transition right now. You know, we're not, we're not really over here, but we're not quite over there yet and we're somewhere here in the middle and it's kind of scary because it's like God what are you doing and this is uncomfortable and I don't really like this but God if it's you I'll go anyway and and so that's where we're at and I, we're just believing for things and in this season I, I believe that God uh, he'll here's what happens he shows us the end from the beginning he'll show us a mountain while we're still in the valley he'll show us a high place while we're still in a low place and that's that's the confusing part because God will put a big dream in your heart he'll say go to the nations and you ain't got two pennies to rub together he'll say go save the world and you have no friends no connection you you live in a ditch somewhere and you you know he'll tell you some crazy stuff but if you take that first step it, the provision comes in the going. It comes in the going. Let me tell you real fast. We started our sponsorship program by faith. We didn't, we didn't have the means for it. We, our truck had actually broke down and been sitting there for about a year. And we say, you know what? We're just going to do it. I feel led. I feel so led. And so we were going to have to have a truck every month. And so I, I'm telling you guys, this guy out of nowhere, never met him before in my life, stopped by the warehouse and said, hey, Josh, uh, what's your biggest need around here? I said, well, we need to get this truck on the road. He said, all right, come with me to the garage. We're going to fix it right now. They got paid like $4,000, like on the spot. Never met him before in my life. Never met him. And uh, I, God is doing that over and over. I was uh, at the right place at the right time the other week in Virginia. Have you, you guys ever heard of World Vision? Yeah, well, I was standing next to this guy. I was like, yeah, this is what we do. This is who we serve. He was like, well, this is what we do. He was like, hey, I want you to come uh, next week and could come to our facility and I got somebody I'm going to talk to we want to talk to you about sending you 18 wheeler loads of toys my Lord somebody give the Lord a praise how awesome is that I mean come on what you don't understand is I grew up right down the road from here I'm a nothing and a nobody except for him and so if he can do it for me he can do it for you so you have no excuses if you have nothing you're in the right spot if if you don't know anybody you ain't got no friends you're in perfect spot to be used by God my Lord if they're saying junk about you behind your back Lord you're in the right spot to be used this morning turn to your neighbor slap them say you're in the right spot you're in the right spot today my Lord, if you even knew what kind of position you're in, you're about three steps away from me, yes. And so if there's anybody in here this morning that's thinking about quitting or giving up, I want you to just cheese right now at the devil. Say, you should have killed me when you had me. You should have took me out a long time ago because I'm getting ready to do something so big and so loud for God. Oh, devil, I'm about to mess up your plans. I'm going to do it so big. You're going to hate me even more than you do. You should have took me out when you could have. My Lord, do you realize I was sitting right back there just a minute ago and, and something just dropped to me and says, I have the power of God living in the inside of me. You know, and I knew that here, but I think I may have just gotten it right here. I am so full. I, I, it's in me. I get to release it. It's mine. He gave it to me. He's in me. And I get to go wherever I need to. I get to do whatever he tells me to do. I'm able to say yes. 
Oh, my Lord. Who slap your neighbor and say, this is good. This is good. This is a good day. My Lord, there's something living on the inside of us. There's something so good. And so I just need you to know. My, I've, I've got some notes because I didn't want to forget anything, but we need some racks for our warehouse. And I mentioned it to this guy one day, one day, and he said, okay, let me see what I can do. The next day, they were installing these big 16-foot racks in our warehouse. And the guy was like, just pay me what you can and give me a write-off for the rest. I was like, yes, my Lord, you know this, because ministry is expensive. How many know that? Ministry is very expensive. And so the Lord's just lining us up. He's getting us ready for something big. This mortgage office in Charlotte called and said, we got all this office equipment, seven cubicles and all this stuff. So I said, okay, now the Lord's going to send us some more workers. He's working, you guys. Slap somebody a high five say, God is so good. And so I want to show you this really fast. Uh, here's some little papers about what we do. I don't know what I've said so far. I'm a mess. Um, so I don't know if you know what we do yet or not. Um, but take one of these. This will tell you there's a website. There's some kids. If you want to get involved in that, um, we're taking toys and food and shampoo and making sure they all have toothpaste and the things that they need. Every single month we're going. And so um, we're also got a coat drive back there. Uh, the boxes back there we take new and gently used we also take canned food and toys and anything else you want to send to the families and i like to tell people this you know obviously our ministry needs money and stuff like that but we want you to come with us more than that i want you to see these people for yourself i want you to give out the most expensive thing that you have inside of you which is your love when we give out our love to people, it changes a generation. So come, go buy a coat and bring it with us to Kentucky and put it around a kid yourself because there's nothing like looking in that little kid's face. He's got dirt all over him, dirt on his feet, and saying, man, God hasn't forgotten about you, and I haven't forgotten about you. We can make a difference in these families' lives. So drop a coat in the bin back there. Call us. Come out on a Tuesday or a Thursday night. Go online. It's anchornow.org, and uh, you can find out all you need to know and uh, we love you guys hey this church supports us and so every time we go into the mountains you're walking with us you're marching right along with us you're saving lives with us you're making it happen so thank you so so much it, it makes a, a bigger difference than you know turn to your neighbors and, and just cheese at them say man God is just so good he's so good <laughs> He's so good. There's so much more. I don't want to take up uh, more of your time today, but thank you. Continue to pray for our ministry, and uh, God bless you. Now, this morning, I gave this a title. I've been waiting for this moment. But from the Reformation to the restoration of all things. And uh, so I'm going to need your help. Later on, we want to declare like was declared in the 1500s and we'll talk about that of, uh, during that time of reformation but God wants to do something in America that's so out of the box so out of the normal so unexpected so there's some folks have given us up for good and dead but we're not dead yet and uh, so it, you know as long as you got breath then there's something yet God is doing and I believe he's going to light fires all over this land it's what I've been believing since I was somehow, I don't know, it got poured into me. And I'm not leaving until it happens. You know what I'm talking about. You ought to be the same way. You don't take no for an answer anymore. There's no plan B. We're going to have his glory. We're going to see him. We're going to see him as he is. And it's a major time. Well, let's pray. And um, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, okay, too. I want you to pray with me. 
But Lord, we just do thank you for this morning. Lord, we pray, Father, Lord, give permission, Lord, to that angel to drop the torch on this property. Lord, we pray that everybody that even drives by these grounds will have an encounter with you. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to see and open our ears to hear in this unbelievable time. Lord, we bless you. We honor you. Have your way in this place. God, ignite us for your purposes. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that, Lord, when your word is proclaimed, it will never return void. It will always accomplish your purpose. Lord, thank you for ministries like Josh Paul. Thank you for Operation Christmas Child, for all these things you're doing. Lord, we thank you. This is going to be the greatest season. It's going to be the most profound season because our nation is ripe to see your glory. So just, just pray this with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, reveal, your, reveal yourself in me and to me and through me. Come, Lord. Change me. Ignite me for your will. And I thank you that you're going to do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I won't tell you to turn to your neighbor and give him a high five. You could do that if you want to. But I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And then we're going to look at some different scriptures. Well, if nobody else is excited today, I am. Because I'm really glad to be alive in this moment. I'm telling you. You know, we didn't pick this time. The Lord picked us. Some of you know for this season. Because it's uh, the time we've been born for. All right. Chapter 1, verse 5. Paul is bragging on Timothy regarding his genuine faith that was passed down. It was in his grandmother. And uh, it was passed down to him. This past week would have been my, my dad's 87th birthday. And I'm telling you, he had a faith. And I, my dad was one of my heroes because in the last 10 years of his life and my mom's life, he took care of my mom who battled Alzheimer's. And, uh, I mean, he served her. He fed her. He changed her. He just served. He laid down his life. But that was the way my dad was. I can remember he laid down his life for us as kids, and he was my hero. And uh, so he had a faith, and he passed it on. But I'm not just trusting in their faith. I've got my own faith. you got your own faith. We've not been redeemed by some tradition passed down, but by the precious blood of the Lamb. But Paul is bragging on Timothy. And then in verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. And so he's reminding Timothy, you've had hands laid on you. Now you have to stir up that gift. You've got to activate it. You've got to rise up. You've got to stir your faith and, you know, charge your own self. Look at yourself and say, self, come alive. You've been called to greatness and purpose because he who's in you is far greater than he that you're up against. And uh, so then in verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Remember what that word means. It's not fear, it's timidity. All right? It's not really fear. It's God has not given you a spirit of timidity, of cowardness. You're not, you're not a coward, but a spirit of, of power and of love and of a sound mind. And therefore, do not be ashamed of me and the testimony, and uh, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings 
for the gospel according to the power of God. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fellowship of his sufferings. You and I are to take up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. It's not a lot, you don't hear that preached a lot anymore. It's still in the book. As long as it's in the book, we're going to preach it. We're going to believe it. We're sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And, you know, if you think about it, the calling card of the New Testament church was not success. It was suffering. The calling card of the last day church will also be suffering. It will also be, though, the overcoming. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. Because the Lord's coming for overcomers. So keep that in mind in the context. Yes, suffering. But also overcomers. Say, I'm an overcomer. And then in verse, uh, verse 9, he says, reminding him who, you, who has saved us, Jesus, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Aren't you glad that it's not about your works, your good or bad works? God has put his hand on you based on his choosing you and his purpose. He wrote in you the purpose that he has for you even before time began. There's, it's written in your DNA. Then, but at verse 10, it says, but now has been revealed by the appearing of a Savior. Verse 11, Paul talks about his calling. He says, I've been appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. So he was all three of these. And, you know, we operate in different callings. You know, we wear different hats. I wear different hats. You know, I got some hats on and, and uh, others I put on at other times. And, uh, but he goes on in verse 12. For this reason, because of the calling on our life, we suffer. Why, did, why does that have to be in the Bible? Maybe we could just vote and take it out. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, say nevertheless. Now, so this is like a part two to that message on suffering. You know, some folks didn't come back after that message because they don't want that stuff. You're going to get it anyway. You're gonna ha I'm just telling you, it's going to happen. The fire's coming. You can run from here. If you don't know the truth, it's just when it happens, you won't know where to stand. And you better, you better know the truth. That's how you stand on the foundation. But anyway, let's get back to this. Nevertheless, say it again. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Say, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed unto him against that day. And I hope that you believe that. I am persuaded. That word means I'm absolutely convinced. You're not going to talk me out of it. I don't care what comes my way. I believe. And I'm going to know. And I stand. And then in verse 13, he says, hold fast. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, he talks about be strong. Then in verse 3, endure all things. And the reason is because of what is in verse 4 is because of a great warfare. You're engaged in a great conflict. And it's just going to be a part of our calling. It's a part of this hour. Now, on October 31st, still two weeks away, but I wanted to go ahead and I felt today's the day. You know, many Americans are going to be celebrating this wicked pagan. It's not even a holiday. I know it's All Saints 
All Hallows' Eve, we remember the dead, the martyrs, but the devil has turned. I remember I heard a testimony of a, uh, a witch who had been saved. Maybe there's a witch here today that can confirm this. You know, come up, we'll give you the platform. Tell us if this is true. But she said that if, you, if, if parents even knew a little bit about what that day is really all about, they wouldn't even mention the name of that day to their children. Because it's more than pagan, it's an evil day. I noticed when we were up in Pennsylvania, people are decorating now like they decorate for Christmas. It's unbelievable. Decorating for a day of the devil. It's just because they don't know. But anyway, I I don't want to get into all that. But it's also October 31st is the 500th anniversary of something else. Do you remember what it is? It's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Martin Luther was one of the reformers, and he saw the corruption and the control and the abuses in the Catholic Church, the dominant church and at that time. And so he goes to the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany, and he nails these 95 theses on the door. And, he, and it was a purpose, there was purpose in it, so that to redirect the church back to the calls, back to the message of Jesus and the, the original apostles. It actually was a protest, and it's where the Protestant movement really began. It's where we all came from. We came out of this. These men that stood up for the faith, and they said, we're not going to back down. This is what we are to believe. You see, the church, the, the Bible had been written in Latin, and, and we'll talk about that. They couldn't read the Scriptures, so men interpreted it the way they wanted it interpreted. Now, this morning, we got a we got to know what we believe. That's what the Scripture said. And we got to not back down. We can't back down. Listen, we can't. You know, somebody just died recently named Tom Petty. I don't know if he knew the Lord. He's of the rock world. I, I wasn't really a Tom Petty fan back in those days. But I did like the words of that song. I won't back down. Here's what I believe it was a prophetic statement. Some of you are wondering, can you talk about that? Well, listen to the words. Well, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. I will stand my ground. I will know what's right. I got just one life. You and I only have one life. There's no easy way out. I will stand my ground. I won't back down. I'm telling you, there's something prophetic about those words. Uh Uh-oh. No, wait a minute. Now I know they're going to get rid of me. You can't do that. But turn it up while you got it on. Turn it up. Listen, if, the, if God can speak through donkeys every, day, every Sunday in a pulpit, He can speak through Tom Petty. And I'm not saying he's a donkey. But anyway, this is pretty good. I won't back down. You're not supposed to do this in church. They said don't do that. But it does stir up a little religion. How many of you honest and you like that song? Yeah, me too. Just go ahead and keep listening to that next verse. And I won't back down. Well, I know what's right. I got just one life. In a world that keeps on pushing me around, but I'll stand my ground. And, and I, won't I ain't gonna back, back down. down. Okay, we better shut that thing down there. Anyway, I thought that was a prophetic statement, and if you don't, 
You know, you know, Martin Luther did not back down. The reformers, thank God they didn't back down. They didn't give in. We would not probably be where we are. They drew a line in the sand. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And so we want to stand for the truth. In fact, in these days of the great shaking, say we're living in those days. Now, I know it's going to get a little bit more intense, but we're living in those days right now. And everything you say you believe is going to be shaken to the core. Your faith, you say you have faith, it's going to be shaken, tried, and tested, and proved. I don't know all that's happening in Hollywood. I just hear a little bit of the news, but I hope to God Hollywood is being shaken to the core right now. In the name of shake out the darkness, the deception, the absolute demons that rule over that place. But anyway, we know where judgment begins. So the Reformation sought to reorient Christianity into its original message, right? And uh, what they had was, was called the five solas. Now, we're not going to go over the whole 95 thesis because some of the things I can't really understand. It was for that day, you know. But, uh, you know, they were all, there was purpose in those 95 theses. We won't go over all that. But they, they summed it up, someone did, in what they call the five solas. Now, the word solas means, anybody know? Solo. And are alone, actually, in the Latin. And there were five of them. We're going to look at, mostly, we're going to look at the first one. And then we'll touch on the next four. You could do a whole series on all this stuff. But see, if you're going to learn something today about history, okay? The five solas. First one was the solo scriptura. What do you think that means? Scripture alone. Scripture alone. The Bible alone was the highest authority. Then solo fide. Faith alone. Some of you guys that came out of that tradition, you know that well. And uh, we're saved by faith. Solo gratia. By grace alone. I want, okay, you guys know. I want to hear the next one from you guys. You got to, it just makes sense. All right. Solus Christius. Christ alone. It's only him. Then solo Deo gloria. To the glory of God alone. And that was a summation of the five, you know, all the 95 theses. And I want to really spend some time this morning on solo scriptura, the scripture alone. Because in the days preceding to the Reformation, the Bible was hidden. There was a famine of the words of the Lord. It really was a famine because the Bible was in Latin. And so whoever stood up claiming to speak for God could interpret the scriptures the way they wanted it interpreted. And so they twisted the, the scriptures. They used it for their own advantage. And for 1,000 years, the Bible, there was, we lived in what was known as the dark or the Middle Ages. Did you know this? I didn't know this. That in the year 500 A.D., the Bible had already been translated into over 500 languages. But they ruled it out. Somebody overruled. And in 600 A.D., Latin was the only language allowed for scripture. And so they began to honor men above what the word of the Lord said. And there was a famine. Now, as there was darkness in that day, the enemy had rampant, ran rampant. You know, what do you think the enemy's trying to do today? His tactics have never changed. He's always assaulting the truth, the word, what God has said. 
The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? It'll make you free. If you, but the truth not only makes you free, it keeps you free. And so even today, there have been a twisting. Now, there were a number of reformers. You know some of these guys. One of them is a lot of the Bibles, you know, the, these translations. William Tyndall, he went to Oxford. He was an English scholar, and uh, he, uh, you know how he died? He interpreted the Bible. They strangled him, then they burned him alive. They thought they were going to burn him alive first, but they mercifully strangled him and then burned him alive. Before he died, October the 6th in 1536, he said this. He said, if God spared my life, I will see to it that the boy who drives the plowshare knows more of the Scripture than you, sir. Now, literacy wasn't that great in those days. What was it, like less than 10? I don't even know what it was. It wasn't very much. So most plowboys wouldn't even be able to read. But the heart of it was he was not going to, he's not going to waste a day. He was going to go for it. And then the morning star of the Reformation, another man, John Wycliffe, he was another translator. He translated the Bible. This man made him so upset that the Pope, 44 years after his death, dug up his bones, ground his bones to powder, and then scatter them in a river. They hated him so much. And all of, there were many other reformers. Some of them had the luxury of being burned at the stake. I mean, it was really an exciting time to be a believer and to say you stood for truth. You know, I wonder how many today, when it really gets hot, are going to stay in the kitchen or they're going to run outside and play. This is really the dividing time right now. God is really marking those who are going to serve him from those who are just pretending to serve him. They said he was their Lord. That's not enough. You must make him and you must walk out your life. He's going to, he's going to determine whether you really know him or not. But remember, let's just go back and think of some things. Jesus overcame the devil with what? He said, it is written. It is the word. David said, thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. If you don't have the Word of God hidden in your heart, you will not overcome the devices of the devil. It's just not going to happen. You overcome by the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You stand firm on what God said because the devil is still doing the same thing he's always done. In the garden, what did he say? Has God said? Has God said? He sought to put doubt in man's mind as to the faithfulness of God and if God could be trusted. And the Lord it can be trusted, but the devil has sought to, uh, to make us doubt that, and he's continuing that. Now, one of Satan's primary targets at the end of the age, he's going to attack God's truth. He's going to attack it head on, and you've got to know it, and you've got to stand on it. You can't back down. But don't think of yourself too highly, because you remember the parable of the sore, you know, persecution came not because... We're so hot, but because the word is so hot. The, per the persecution came because of the word. So in other words, here's what I'm saying. The more the word you have in you, the more the devil is going to come at you. Now you may say, well, why would I get more of the word in me then? Because the more the word in you, the more you'll overcome the devil, the more you will bring glory and honor to your Savior while you're living on this earth. It's his word living in us. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, 
you know, there's the rhema. What's the rhema? You know, it's the life, the revelation. The logos is the written word. And then there's the rhema. Now, we're not going to worship a book. You don't want to go the opposite. Well, we worship this book. No, we worship the God who wrote the book. We worship. We're not, it's not the letter of the law. It's the spirit that gives life. But you still, you got to stand on what God said. The Logos is still very applicable to today. How many of you know that? In fact, you can't stand. But we know that the Pharisees, they, they sought to make a religion out of the rules and the regulations rather than the relationship. We have a relationship. And so he wrote in us the rules. He's written in our heart. And so we live the life. We live it out. Now, let's go look at the scriptures. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You guys still with me? You mean to turn back on Tom Petty? I'm not going to do that. I'm not, that was enough. I don't know if Tom knew the Lord right before his death. I, I don't know about all that. I didn't hear any testimonies about any of that. I hope he did. But anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. Therefore, since we have such great hope, we have hope, we use great boldness of speech. And unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, say this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Even, but even to this day, when Moses, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the book of Moses, the law, is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And then he goes on, and these next two verses are some of, you know, some of the most powerful scriptures in all the Bible. Now the Spirit, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And the scriptures, it's true. You, there's a veil. Now, he's talking about the old covenant and the new covenant coming in from glory to glory. But the veil, being able to see who he is and who we are in him, is removed when we turn to the Lord. And then it goes on and talks so much more about that. But the Bible tells us who he is and who we are. It's a love letter. Look over in 2 Timothy. You can't even know the Bible until you turn to the Lord. All it is is a history book until you turn to him. But when you turn to him, it's life. His word is life. It's where we live and move and we have our being. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life and purpose, my faith, my long-suffering. Say long-suffering. You know what long-suffering means. Long-suffering. That's when you got to remind yourself, wait a minute. If I'm going through a long suffering, then I'm going to endure because the sufferings of this present time cannot even be compared with the glory that it shall come and that I'm going to know. So what? Long suffering, short suffering, big deal. Our God reigns. He's looking for overcomers. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me. And I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will 
do what? Grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, you, say me, you must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. So first of all, you've got to know who those who you're listening to. You've got to know those that labor among you. And then that from childhood you have known the Holy Scripture. Say the Holy Scripture. We know them. You know the, what those who are teaching, but you know the Scriptures. And uh, verse 16, for all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and you know it goes on and on. And then in chapter 4 of that, Paul says to Timothy, therefore, Timothy, preach the Word. Don't preach your opinion. Preach the Word. That's what they did in the dark ages. They preached their opinion. He didn't even tell us to preach our dreams. Now, dreams sometimes confirm the Word. And in these days, He's going to speak to us through dreams and visions. But those dreams and visions must always support what He said in the Word. That's a standard. We test the spirits to see if they are of God. Now, this is interesting. Do you know that many of the books in the New Testament were written to draw the line between true teaching and false doctrine, or true doctrine and false doctrine? Many of them. So if a lot of the New Testament was written for that example and for that purpose, then we should probably take heed, especially since evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse. Not going to get better and better. It's going to grow worse and worse. Say worse and worse. But better and better for me if I follow him. So you have to have it in context. But let me just share with you a few things. For example, in Galatians, Paul wrote to set the record straight to defend the truth of the gospel in the face of what he called another gospel. Remember that. But it wasn't, he said, it was not another gospel. And he speaks about false brethren and such in Galatians. Then in Philippians, among many reasons... It was to warn the believers of legalism, that you don't just live according to the letter of the law, but it's by the Spirit. And he drew the distinction between the flesh and the Spirit, and you know, those who were born of the flesh versus born of the Spirit. And then Colossians, written to counter what they called the Colossian heresy, and it was an affront to the gospel. Let me look over in the book of Colossians. Uh, I, I feel like some people are fading. Don't fade. You've got to stay with me. Stay, this is important. important. I'm, I'm believing you're being washed by the water of the Word. You're probably, if I know a little bit about God, He's probably preparing you to overcome when false doctrines come your way. So you'll be strong and firm. You will not back down because you know in whom you believe, and you are persuaded. You're persuaded. You've got to be that way today. But look in Colossians. In uh, chapter 2, verse 4. Now this I say to you, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I'm absent in the flesh, I'm with you in the spirit. And he goes on, talks about that. Look it down in verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Being rooted, built up in him, established in the faith. And as you've been taught, abounding it in it with thanksgiving. Beware. Here's another beware. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. 
And then, really, the key of all of the, that whole chapter, he talks about, for in him, in verse 9, in him dwells. Then in verse 11, in him you were also. And then it goes on and on. In him he made you alive together. And so on and on and so on. So you're in him. Now look in verse 15. Having disarmed, or verse 16. So let no one judge you in food. Watch this, is good. Or in drink, or regarding a festival, which is a feast day, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. One of the great deceptions of the end times is going to get people to chase after the shadow rather than the substance of Christ. I was thinking about this. You know, Shirley and I, we're still in love. We've been married a bunch of years. I still give her hugs. What if I came home one day and she walks by me in her passing shadow and I grabbed, I try to hug the shadow. You know, she'd look at me like I'm crazy. What are you doing? I'm trying to hug your shadow. I want the shadow. I can't wait. I love this shadow. You can't hang on to it. You're not going to hang on to this stuff. You got to get the real thing. So I'm just telling you, it's okay. The feast days, don't let them take the place of Christ. The substance. That's what he said. Don't let anybody judge you in regard to festivals and all these things. Feast days. I know I may be stepping on something. I'm just reading the Bible. I ain't going after a shadow. I'm going after the substance. It's all summed up in Christ. Yes, Jesus. Now look in verse 18. Now this is really cool. Let no one cheat you of your reward. You think the devil might be trying to cheat anybody of their reward? Taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels. Intruding into, this is amazing, into those things which he has not seen. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. That verse in the Amplified, said, let, he says this. Let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you what it, that you are unworthy of the prize, insisting on self-abasement, doing harm to the flesh. That was one of the things they, they tried to beat up the flesh. They felt like that would get them closer to God. That, that never does any good, does it? And then the worship of angels. And then take, now listen to this, taking his stand on visions that he claims he's seen. Taking his stand on visions that he claims that he saw. Vainly puffed up by his sensuous notions and inflated by his unscriptural thoughts and fleshly conceit. It's pretty heavy stuff. I just know this is all the kind of stuff we're going to be dealing with. You've got to know in whom you have believed. You've got to know the truth. The truth sets you free and keeps you free. 1 Thessalonians. It was written to keep them from the misunderstanding regarding the last days. And it says, remind them that they have not been appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. And that's also in 2 Thessalonians. It was to warn them and remind them of the persecution, but not to be shaken because there will be teachings that will rise up that will say the end has come and our gathering together has come. And he says, don't be shaken because that day will not happen unless two things, and that is the son of perdition will be revealed and the great falling away will occur. Remember that. How many of you remember that? Why do you think he gave us the Bible? Just read the Bible and you'll be in good shape. I'm telling you, the greatest probably, maybe one of the greatest sins of the American church is, number one, many don't pray. And many don't read the Bible. 
and they just expect someone else to do it for them. It ain't going to happen that way. God is zealous for his people. And then in First and Second Timothy and Titus, again it was written to regarding the you know, false doctrine, but also to stand for the behavior that was expected for those who claimed the name of Christ. I remember I heard a story of Alexander the Great. I may have shared this somewhere down the road, but God brought it back to my mind this week. And he was a great general, never lost a war, if I remember. Alexander the Great, but one thing he could not stand was a coward. Now remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear, timidity, cowardice. Alexander the Great couldn't stand a coward. One day, a soldier was brought to Alexander the Great who had been accused of running from the scene, running from the battle, being a coward. And they brought him in, and they stood him before Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great asked him, Soldier, what's your name? The soldier said, Alexander. He was stunned. He had the same name as him. What did you say? He said, what did you say your name was? And then, of course, the soldier was trembling. Uh, Alexander, sir. And then he really, he just got to him. What did you say your name was? Alexander, sir. And then he one more time, what did you say your name was, soldier? He said, Alexander, sir. About that time, Alexander the Great knocked the soldier to the ground, drew his sword, stuck it to his chest, and said, soldier, change your conduct or change your name. And I'm telling you, the Lord is saying that to the church in America right now. We're going to declare that. I want to show you a scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. I think we have that up. It says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. This is the foundation of Christianity. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I know there's been a cheap grace that's come through America. It said you can live like you want to live. You're forgiven. Grace, you're forgiven of all your sin, past, present, and future. And I know there's a lot of truth. But I also know that grace is the power of God that enables you to be what you say you are. It's more than unmerited favor. We won't go there this morning. You can look later. But Isaiah chapter 4. It's been prophesied by... Brother Savarez, Savaraj, that we would be a place of refuge and be hidden. Isaiah chapter 4 gives you the requirements for being a place of refuge. And it is being holy, a holy people. You can read that. In fact, let's see if I can just remember without reading it. It says, and in that day, seven women will grab hold of one man and they'll say, Hey, let us, we will eat our own food, we'll, we'll wear our own apparel, only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. Remember that? How do you interpret that? Many people will say, Lord, we want your name because with your name, it sure removes a lot of reproach eternally for me. But I will wear, I will eat my own food. My own word will be dominant. Not what your word says, but what I have determined and interpreted it to mean. And I will wear my own apparel. 
And if you remember that parable in the book of Revel, no, Matthew, somewhere, it's an end time parable they're having the great wedding feast. You remember this? And there's a man that shows up and he doesn't have his wedding garments on. And the Lord of the house, the master, throws him out of the house. Throws him out because he didn't have his wedding garments on. I tell you, you've got to be clothed in the robes of righteousness. But righteousness is not only something that we say, it's the way we live. Titus says this is salvation. The grace that brings salvation teaches all men to live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And God is going to drive that home one more time in America. If you say you belong to me, let those who name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And God will give the grace to walk it out. It's his, all His grace. It's all of His grace. You should read Isaiah chapter 40. It talks about how the, that bride's going to be made holy. You remember anything? Anybody remember that chapter? If we had time. It talks about the spirit of burning and the spirit of fire. <laughs> anyway, he's going to have a bride without spot and blemish. That's what it all boils down to. Yeah, you cleanse from all the flesh. Well, let's keep going. Anybody want to keep going? I'm going. I'm going. Some of you say, well, I don't know where you're going. I'm going. I'm just going. It's like Josh said earlier. You just take a step out and you'll go. Just take a step. When I surrendered to preach, I remember. Of course, it happened when I'm over in the mountains over here in Ridgecrest that evening when I'm 19 years old and I kneel down and commit to preach the word and all that is I've shared that many times but then when I went home you know you got to make things public and I remember the Lord spoke to me and he said until you take this first step you will never know the thousands that will follow so I said okay I'm going to take a step so I took a step and I'm telling you there have been thousands upon thousands upon thousands and thousands of steps same thing for you you don't step out, you're just going to stay. If you step out, you'll go with him. The Lord said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, just believe, period, and sit down till I come again. No, he said, follow me. Follow me. If any man follow me or come after me, it's a life of pursuing him. Not as some religious formality and rules and regulations. It's a following him. And then 1 Peter. Here's some more examples. Written to, to the believers to stand firm for Christ in the midst of suffering and persecution and all these things. Second Peter was written to warn of false teaching, false doctrine. Everything that was opposite of authentic Christianity. When we lived in Mobile, there was a, there's a plaque. If they hadn't torn this plaque down, I don't know, they're doing this all over now. But there was a plaque in the middle of the park that said Mobile... It was a tribute to the founder of Mobile and that this city is dedicated to genuine, authentic Christianity, something like that. And it's behind some bushes. So me, Shirley and I were trying to get behind the bushes. What were we trying to get behind the bushes for that day? I can't remember what we were doing behind the bushes, but we're behind the bushes. <laughs> and, and I'm reading. This, this town was made so that it founded upon authentic, genuine Christianity. I'm glad we got out of the bushes. Yeah. Maybe we could. Anyway, I better keep going. <laughs> Again, I just. 
you know, part of my ministry is my wife. I mean, I, sh- I love sharing stories. I, I mean, I'm just telling you, we're one. I prayed for many years for a wife. He gave me one, and I'm not going to. I'm going to enjoy every single day, every single moment. These folks that, that can't stay together, my goodness, you don't know. I'm telling you, God is greater, bigger than all that stuff. Now, he'll forgive you. But let me tell you, whom God joins together, don't let any demon or man put asunder. Just greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Okay, so I'm going to go back. First John was written for that. Remember, it was warning against false teaching. You know, we would think if much of the Bible was written about false teaching, there's probably a good probability we're going to counter false teaching. So you better know the real thing. And, of course, 1 John talks about the spirit of Antichrist. And you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things, it says, that will enable you to overcome this spirit of Antichrist at the end of the age. And he, there are many Antichrists even that are here now. Second John, written as a concern that all believers would, that they would not fall short and into deception, but they would love the truth, know the truth, walk in truth, live the truth. Here's what verse 7 and 8 says. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Look to yourselves that you do not lose your reward or the things that you work for, that they may receive the full reward. And then what do you think about the book of Jude? What do you think it was written for? Take a guess. To guard against false doctrine, false teaching. In fact, look over in the book of Jude real quick. We're actually, I'm just going to briefly touch on those last four solas. It would take a long time. But the book of Jude, you probably should read before you get to heaven. So that when you meet Jude, you can tell him, I read your book. It was a good, good book, Jude. Hey, you can say, hey, Jude, I read your book. Look at this, verse 3. Beloved. While I was, now Jude was going to write on his, the common salvation. That was his intention. And then because of the false teachers, he changed the subject. So he said, Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. He's not talking about salvation that's common and of no value, but, you know, our shared salvation. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. I was going to just talk about simple things, but then I found these false teachers. It says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness or lawlessness. That's that cheap grace. And they deny the only Lord God, the Lord Jesus. Now look in verse 5. Now this blows the cheap grace out of the saddle, but nobody wants to read this verse. I'm going to read it. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now, many people want to take that verse out. Preach the word. You guys are being called up to be preachers, men and women. I'm telling you, preach the word. You don't back down. You don't back down for nothing. They're not going to like this scripture. He gives an example about the angels. They didn't, you know, what happened to them, Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 8, likewise, all these dreamers, they defile the flesh. They reject authority. 
They speak evil of dignitaries. I wish I could really get into the book of Jude. We will someday, but verse 10. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know. Whatever it says they know naturally like brute beasts in these things. They corrupt themselves. Now verse 12. These are spots in your Moravian love feast. Now that's not what it says, but I, when I saw that, I couldn't help but write the name Moravian. We have a Moravian love feast around here. They're spots in your love feast. While they feast with you, they sit at the same table without fear. They serve only themselves. They are clouds without water. They're carried about by the winds. Late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, puffed, pulled up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming up. Man, Jude could preach. I'm t- I bet Jude didn't get... I wonder if Jude would be invited today to some of the big churches around the land, you know, <laughs> speaking like this. I'm telling you, probably not. Look in verse 16. Jude carries on. You know, he says, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust. And ma- they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain an advantage. You know, they puff you up. They tell you how great you are. They puff you up so they can blow you up when you walk out the door. That's, it's true. You watch out for people that are patting you on the shoulder. You know what they're looking for? A soft spot so they can stab you when you're not looking. I'm just agreeing with Jude. They're sensual, verse 19. They cause division, not having the spirit. But he ends well. But beloved, you beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit. Now, the guy we have coming next weekend, he'll say Holy Ghost. He's more from the Pentecostal background. I say, come on and have at it. Ghost, Spirit, we don't care. We just want him. We want the Holy Spirit. We want him. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. But on others, save them with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now unto him who is able. This is a great... I bet, I wonder if Jude knew this would be really quoted often throughout the ages. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore. Amen. Jude was an incredible man. Okay, so I'm just going to touch base on the rest of these. The bottom line is we cannot exalt, I don't care who they are, the word of man above the word of God. The traditions of man above the, of the word. We cannot. and We will not. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, not only the scripture alone, but let me just wrap it up. Say, I'm going to wrap it up. So let's go quickly. Number two was solo fide. What does it mean? Faith alone. By faith. Basically what they were saying is salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ. They were so corrupt, they, they sold these things called indulgences. And it somehow bought them a repentance. But yeah, you, don't, you can't buy repentance. It doesn't happen. You repent and you turn to him by faith alone. Faith in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. 
Faith in Jesus and the faith of Jesus. Faith that's once and for all delivered to the saints. Mountain-moving faith and the gift of faith. Some of you this morning need the gift of faith. When we pray in just a few moments around the altar, after I get through with these declarations, I'm going to pray an impartation for those who want a gift of faith. You've been called to like what Josh said, something far greater than what you can afford and what you can accomplish. That's good. That means it's God. You just need the faith, a gift of faith, and God will impart that. I'm going to stir up that faith that is in you. And then solo gratia, by grace alone, by grace you've been saved through faith. It is the gift of God. But again, remember Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in the present age. And then in verse 13 of that text, it says, Speak these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority. And then fourthly was solo Christus, Christ alone. Jesus is the way. He's the only way. And in this day, you will be called narrow-minded. You'll be called a bigot. You'll be called every name in the sun. But who cares? I'll wear it well. Jesus is the only way. He is the way. As St. Patrick wrote, it's Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ where I lie, Christ where I sit, Christ where I arise, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. The call to the church in America today is to return to the centrality of Christ. It's about Jesus Christ. Never was about a personality. Never was about the gifts. The gifts follow them that believe. It's about Jesus and Jesus alone. God's going to lift up. And then the last one, solo del gloria. Not about our glory. Now, he's going to see to that. But it's glory. We give, we're here for the glory of God. Ephesians 1.12, that we who first trusted in Christ should live or should be to the praise of his glory. Now, I know that what God is doing right now in America, there are winds of revival and refreshing blowing. I, I know that. I know that it's just a process of reformation and then eventually it's the restoration of all things spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. Acts 3.19, right? I mean, he's into restoration, restoring truth, restoring his church, restoring these things. But we need a new reformation. We need to stand on what God is saying and let it be. Now, here's what I want to do this morning. You guys game? You game, Russ? All right. I want you to agree with me. Why don't you stand, if you don't mind? And we're going to pray around the altar in a moment. But I, I want to declare, make some declarations of like a new reformation. I can't quote all 95. You wouldn't want me to. Because some of them, you know, they're written in the different languages back in those days. And, uh, well, I mean, even their English was different from our English. Especially, you know, for those of us who grew up in the South, people still try to, if we even know how to speak English, you know, 
I'm working on that, but anyway, it's a serious thing. I'm going to pray, and then if you, you don't have to agree. If I say something you don't agree with, just keep your hand down. You know, I'm not in agreement. But if you're in agreement, say, so be it, amen. So that's what amen means, so be it. So what we're going to do, I know that probably the devil's saying, boy, who do you think you are? <laughs> it is not about who I am. It's not about any of us. It's about Jesus who lives in us. And it's about his word that when we declare will not return void. So we're going to be nailing some truths on the heavens over America this morning. Does that make sense? It's like we're, we're Martin Luther. Now, Martin Luther wasn't a perfect man. You can read about some of the sins of Martin Luther, you know, but he was God's choice. It wasn't by his works. It was by the purpose of God, the mandate of heaven upon his life. So, Lord, just go ahead. You can play. Fine. Just, I want it to be real. I feel like the Lord said, when you do it, it will be real. So we're just going to declare it this morning. So, Father, we just come right now in the name of your son, Jesus. And, Lord, we ask you to help us to make these declarations. Lord, to write over America these truths of Scripture. And, uh, Lord, let it stick and let it be a new day, a new reformation in America. Because we know the end goal is the restoration of all things, which has been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. That's where we're going. But we've got to stand on truth and not back down. So, Lord, we just ask you, help us. Let this, from Moravian Falls, on this day, October the 15th, 2017, almost just the two weeks away from the 500th anniversary of when Martin Luther did it, and he didn't think it was going to start a movement. He just did it. It cost him his everything. Lord, we ask you, okay, we affirm and we reaffirm. You know, we need to just think about those five things. We need to reaffirm the five things and then go from there, okay? We reaffirm and affirm the scriptures. God's word is the final authority concerning salvation. And we add, it concerns all matters of faith and life, which includes marriage and family. And his word has the answer to every problem any nation or individual will ever have. So be it. Amen. We affirm that it is by faith in Jesus alone whereby men must be saved. We reaffirm that it is by grace alone and not of works that leads us to faith and salvation. We reaffirm it is by Christ alone that salvation and deliverance comes to those who trust in Him. Just quote this with me, St. Patrick. Say, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ where I lie, Christ where I sit, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. And we reaffirm and we hear to live for the glory of God. So be it. Amen. And he will receive all the glory and all the honor.
Now, let's carry it on in the things we've spoken of. Let it be said today that Jesus Christ, the centrality of Christ, is the focus and center of everything pertaining to the Christian faith. And let it be said that Jesus is the only way to the Father, the only source of salvation, and is the only hope for a nation that's gone astray. Let it be spoken, it is Jesus Christ who is the head of His church. He is the one building. It is Jesus who will gather together in one all things in Christ, both that are in heaven and on our own earth. Let it be said, it is this Jesus whom the, who's the church, who the church will come into the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue and of the fullness of Christ. Let it be said, it is this church that prior to his coming will... Now, this is what I like. He gave it to me, but it's in the Scripture. This church will finish the work that he sent us to do. Because just as the Father said, even to the Son, even so send I you. The, the Son sent us into the world, and we will complete the task that he's given the church to do. Before Jesus comes again and before the end of the age, let it be said this gospel of the kingdom, the rule and the reign of Christ will be preached as a witness to every nation and then the end shall come. God has called and graced his people to be holy as he is holy. And let it be said and set as a seal, an identifying mark upon our lives. Let those who name the name of Christ in the United States of America, then let them depart from iniquity. For your word says, God, be ye holy, even as I am holy. Let it be said that we, his church, we will be more captivated by the Lord who is coming than the events surrounding the coming of the Lord. You understand that? Many people will be caught astray. They'll be deceived by the events. The events, events are events. We're looking for the one behind them. Let it, let it be said when, now this is personal. Let it be said when Jesus returns, he will find faith on the earth because he will find it in me. Let it be spoken that as the Father is speaking those, seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth, so a people will emerge in this land who will worship Him and serve Him both in the spirit and in the word, the truth. And let it be spoken that we, the church, we will contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints, even the saints of ages past. Let it be said that there will be a people in this nation, regardless of what happens, regardless of the hardness or the degree of suffering, who will endure, persevere, press into. They will last. They will not take their hand off of the plow. They will endure until the very end of the age. Let it be said that Jesus will have a glorious church in this land without spot and without blemish. Guys, catch up with me. You need to shout it on this side of the room, too. I'm hearing more over here. It's okay to take a break. All right. Let it be said. We agree. It's your will, Lord. It is your will. 
that none should perish in America, but all should come to repentance. And Lord, we know that everyone has their own choice. But as far as we're concerned, America shall be saved in Jesus' name. And you know, because the message, as long as we're on the earth, is for God so loved the world. He so loved America and the nations. And that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Let it be spoken. And we're not ashamed. And we know in whom we have believed. And we are absolutely persuaded. We're convinced that our God will keep whatever we commit to Him until that day. Let it be said, we believe in the promise of the restoration of all things spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began according to Acts chapter 3. And let it also be spoken. We believe and we say now, Lord, you said that the Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. On your men servants and on your maid servants, you will pour out your spirit in those days. And we say yes and amen. And then let it be spoken that his kingdom will come and his will will be done in this nation through a people that are madly in love with Jesus. So be it. Let it be done. Amen. Give him a shout. Give you glory, Lord. Seal these words. We believe you, God. We believe you. We believe you. Nevertheless, 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 we believe. We know in whom we have believed. And we are persuaded. We are persuaded that he is able to keep what we've committed unto him against that day. And we thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, we ask you to seal seal this day from Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Who are we? We're the people of the living God. We're sons and daughters of God. And we agree with your word. And you said, Lord, your word, when it goes forth, will never return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which you sent it forth to accomplish. And all the people of God said, Amen and Amen. Thank you, Lord.